I love you, New Hope. Um, wow, just sitting over there and back here with my wife and just worshiping God with you. And he, Have you noticed how the singing volume has gone up around this church lately? And just the way you just sing right there and sing it from your heart and you turn your eyes upon Jesus and um, you are one beautiful, faithful, amazing church. And I am so honored to uh, love you and know you and serve you. Um, can we welcome all of our campuses at all of our campus locations? They are singing strong, I'm sure, at all of the campuses. Hey, we, um, we had a little thing here last weekend, had baptisms, and uh, I put out on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter, I put out there that we baptized 193 people last week. No, 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 no you shouldn't be clapping. You shouldn't be clapping because that was fake news. <laughs> we didn't baptize 193 people. I got bad information, fake news. We baptized 192 people. <laughs> now you can clap. Come on, celebrate them. Every, every number has a name, amen? Every name has a face. Every face represents a soul for which Christ Jesus died and rose again. And so 192 people, unstinking, believable, praise God. I've said this before. I've said it before and, and it's just, you just need to remember this. This is not normal. What we're experiencing is not normal and we should never think that it is and we should always humble ourselves and thank God for pouring out his kindness and his mercy and his blessings on this church. Amen, amen. amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, listen, we put together a video uh, just to kind of celebrate because it's not just here. It was 192 across the movement. Check this out. Celebrate this with me. Here's the Durham campus dunking people left and right. Yeah, I think the next one's Garner Campus, G-Town, Water Tower Town right there, dunking people left and right. Hillsboro, come on in the borough. North Raleigh, yeah, baptizing people everywhere. Sanford, Sanford, and there's North Durham. Woo, celebrate with me, church. Hey, speak, seeing all that water reminds me just to ask you, will you please pray for our ARC orphanage, the ARC orphanage that we have? You, if you're a part of this church, you know that we have an orphanage in Kenya and they are experiencing some floods. And uh, we got it under control. It's all good. But pray for the precious little children over there and pray for the staff that um, God would move mightily and, and protect them. Amen? Amen? Hey, I know we just prayed, but I feel, I feel led to pray. Let's pray. Come on. God, I don't, I don't know why you, you just sometimes come over me and I'm just so grateful for this church. I'm grateful that I get to do life with these people. And I pray now, Lord, as we open up your word, I pray that the, the thoughts of our minds, the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, our Lord and our Redeemer. And we pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. So if you're a guest here, hey, I am so glad you are here. If you're a regular here, you know that we are in a series titled what? Guardrails. And we're bringing closure to it today, the final installment of Guardrails. Have you guys been enjoying it? 
Listen to this. I got, an, I got a message uh, that says this. I wanted to jump on the bandwagon with the thousands that have been transformed by this series. I have been going to New Hope for five years. This series has changed the entire trajectory of my life. I have been to hundreds of churches in my day. Parenthetically, she says, my father was a pastor. I attended the world's largest Christian university. It made me get that God had more for me. I now have guardrails up. I have accountability partners in my life and I'm going all in with Jesus. Thank you. Come on now. She says, thank you. But what I wanna say is, no, 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 thank you. Thank you for being here today. Uh, so the very first week of guardrails, I gave you this definition. It's a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Just a show of hands. How many of you, since we started this series, you've been noticing more guardrails on the road? Yeah, exactly. Guess what? There aren't more. You, you, we've just been talking about it and you are noticing them. And, and I've never heard anybody say, hey, you know what? I wish they didn't have a daggum guardrail there. Because you know intuitively, do you not, that if you were to have to swerve and miss a deer or somebody runs you off the road or you just fall asleep on the road, Lord forbid, you know that it's better to suffer a little prideful damage and hit a guardrail, maybe have a fender bender. It's far better to endure that than to go over the guardrail and crash your life in a ditch. And that's what this series is all about. I started out asking you this question and I might as well ask you one more time as we wrap up. How many of you, show of hands, how many of you have regrets in your life? Show of hands, regrets. Every single person. If you don't, come see me afterwards because I want to get your autograph and shake your hand because you might be God in the flesh. <laughs> we all have regrets. Do we not? Come on. Now, I asked you this question. How many of you would say that you would have been able to avoid some of those regrets if you had just made some different decisions? You know what I mean? Drank this liquid instead of that liquid. <laughs> Dated this person instead of that person. Married this person instead of that person. Well, went to first base instead of tried to hit a home run. We, we all... <laughs> We all have some regrets. And the truth is, most of the time, not always, but most of the time, we could have avoided some of those regrets and some of the damage that comes as a result. And then I, I tweaked this definition for this series and I, I made it this, a guardrail. Why don't you read this out loud with me? Ready Church at all of our campuses, go. It's a standard of behavior that becomes a, a matter of what? It's a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. And one of the things I've been really feeling lately, I, I don't know, I guess God has just really just, I don't know, tendered my heart for you lately as a church. But the reason I'm doing this series is because, like, I love you. I want you to live a great life. I, yeah, I want to see you get to heaven, but come on, you know people who are going to heaven and their life on earth is jacked up, right? So I, I want us together as a church to not only be going to heaven, can I get an amen, but to actually live a life 
that is blessed, live a life that is favored by Almighty God, to live a life where God just continues to pour forth kindness on us as a church, yes, but on you and your home and your family and your dating relationships or your parenting or your marriages. And so today, as we wrap up, I, I get the privilege to talk to you about one final guardrail, one final guardrail that is about a topic that most of you don't even want me to talk about. Reminds me of this little kid in a town. It's back in Billy, you know, Billy Graham passed recently. True story, Billy Graham was in a little old town. I think it was in Kentucky. He was getting ready to preach a revival that night and he was walking through this little town and he was trying to find the post office. He was gonna mail Ruth, his beloved wife, a, a card. And so he couldn't find the post office. So he found a little kid who was out in his front yard. And he goes, hey, can you help me find the post office? And the kid said, well, sure, sir. You just go down here. You take a right at that next stop sign. You take a left at the next one. And the post office is down on the right. Billy Graham said, oh, thank you so much. And he started to walk away. And then he goes, oh, by, by the way, I, I'm, I'm doing a revival tonight. And I'm going to be talking to people about how to get to heaven. I would love for you to come. Little boy looked at Billy Graham and said, mister, I, I think I'll pass. You can't even tell yourself how to get to the post office. How are you going to, how are you going to tell us how to get to heaven. <laughs> so you might be a little like the kid. You really don't want to hear about it. And if you're a guest here, I always get awkward when I start trying to talk about this topic if you're a first-time guest because the truth is we hardly ever talk about this subject matter. But today, I get the privilege to talk to you about a guardrail that God talks about over and over and over and over in the Bible, and that is the subject of money. And I get to do it from a heart that loves you, a heart that wants what is best for you. I get to do it as a pastor who's not sitting up here, as some of you have heard so many pastors preach about it, with anger and sweat and hooting and hollering and yelling, and we need your money. No, no, I'm not up here doing that today. Like one of the guardrails I put up in this church's life is that I, I don't set my salary. Never have, never will. I don't count the offering. Never have, never will. I'm not one of these guys who, who blesses individually from talking about this stuff. No, I'm up here today talking to you about a subject that the Bible speaks of clearly over and over and over. And I don't know if you know this, Jesus spoke more about the subject matter of money than he did any other subject in the Bible other than the kingdom of God. Now, why do you think that is the case? Write this down. This is a key nugget that'll get us going today. Write this down. Money is the chief competitor for your what church? Money is the chief competitor for your heart. God knows this about you and God knows this about me. Money competes for my allegiance, for my devotion and my ability to put God first in my life. That's why Jesus said this. Won't you read this out loud with me? Do y'all hear my voice? I don't know, I think I'm going back through puberty or something. <laughs> It's been doing that all morning. It's like I'm preaching it. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what is up. It's really weird. Anyway, so help me out here with some baritone voices. Ready, go. No one can serve two masters. Either you will 
and or you will be devoted to the one and despise one another. Now, if you got your Bibles open or you got your teaching notes, circle these two words, serve and devoted. In the Greek, they're the same word. You, you can't serve or be devoted to both God and money. In other words, it's a competition. So the question I would ask is, who's winning the competition in your life? Are you serving God and devoted to God? Or are you serving money and devoted to money? Jesus would end with this. Ready, out loud, really strong, all of our campuses. You cannot serve both God and money. One more time. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I don't have time today to spend a, a long time. I could talk about this subject all day long because it's that important. But I do want to just refer you to a resource. We have this in our resource center at all of our campuses. It's called The Blessed Life by Pastor Robert Morris. The best book I have ever read or recommended on this topic, grounded deeply in the word of the Lord. You can pick that up today if we didn't sell out, which we might have in the early services, but you could also sign your name and they'll have it for you next week. As we talk about money, the reality is there's this guardrail that God is trying to put in our lives on money, but there's a ditch on each side of the guardrail. And to describe those uh, ditches, I would say the first ditch would be consumed uh, or would be made up, if you will, by those of you who are consumers. Like you are, you know who consumers are, don't you? Consumers are, and I'm not talking about it, we all consume stuff, right? But I'm talking about, I'm talking about the party animal consumers. The people who are like, woohoo, you can't take it with you, baby. Let's spin, 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 spin. Any of you married to consumers? The other, the other ditch on the other side of the guardrail is the hoarders. The what? The hoarders. And the hoarders are those who, they don't want to party and spend it because they don't realize you, can, you can't take it with you. They want to do what? They want to save, 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 save. Pack racks, right? Basements are packed. Attics are packed. Bedrooms are packed. They never throw away anything. Now here's the interesting thing, and this is where it gets problematic. In marriages, opposites attract. How many of you are a hoarder, but you married a consumer? Come on, come on. How many of you are consumers, and probably don't want to admit either or, right? But you're a consumer, but you married a hoarder, and it drives you crazy. <laughs> now, we all know what that's like. Those are the two extremes. Those are the two ditches on each side of this guardrail. But, but here's the key thing that ties the two together. There is one word that links the consumer who wants to blow it all now, spin, 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 and the hoarder who wants to save, 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 save. One word, greed. Greed. Greed is the one word that links those two together. And you know what's fascinating about greed? I've been in ministry a while now. I've had people confess all kinds of things to me. I've never had anybody say to me, hey, I'm greedy. 
I don't know why that is. I think it's just because intuitively we, we all know, especially those who love God, because God has been so generous, we all know that greedy is not something we want to be. And yet again, let's just own our stuff. All of us, I'm talking about every single one of us have struggled with greed from time to time. Agreed? <laughs> right? Like, I, I, I can raise both my hands. We all have this proclivity for being greedy, which is why God's word says when it comes to finances, you want to put up a sturdy guardrail in your life. And I've given you that guardrail in scriptures. And if you plant this guardrail, it will actually keep your life out of the ditch financially. But maybe even more importantly than that, it will remind you on a systematic, regular basis that I am the Lord your God and I am to be first in your life. It's, it's the guardrail of financial stewardship. Greed, to give you a working definition of greed, is this. It's the assumption that it's all for my, what church? It's the assumption that it's all for my consumption. Now, here's the big problem. If you are primarily a consumer or a hoarder, greed is underlying all of that. And if I can just go a little bit deeper, not only is greed a part of your life, and like I said, it's been a part of my life at times, I am living as if there is no God because I don't trust God enough to honor God with my finances. Open up your Bibles to Malachi chapter three. Malachi chapter three. Verses 10 and following. Now I'm gonna read a verse or two that we've all heard if we've grown up in church at all when it comes to money. But the great thing about the next couple of verses that I will read, we don't typically hear these verses, but if you will just lean in and understand the principle behind the practice and what God does when he gets a faithful follower who honors God with their finances, something is gonna go off inside of you today. A light bulb is going to go off and you're gonna think, how could I not trust God enough to honor him in this area? Bring the whole what? Bring the whole tithe. Now, I stopped many years ago assuming that everybody here at church knew the Bible, let alone knew what some of these words mean. Tithe, T-I-T-H-E. Bring the whole what? Tithe. The word, if you're not familiar with it, is a word that's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the word is apodicato, and it actually means a tenth. Tithe means what? Attempt. So the Bible is saying, hey, if you're going to be a faithful follower, if you're going to erect this guardrail in your life so that I can protect you financially, bring the whole tithe, bring 10% of your income into the house of the Lord, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Now we, we know this verse. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much more blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. 
So what the Bible is saying is if you've never planted this guardrail, the Bible is saying, hey, here's an idea. Just test me in this. God says, if you don't believe it, if you don't take me at my word, test me and see if I will not what? Pour out so many blessings that you will not be able to contain it. Now watch this. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. This is the part that most of you might not have ever heard about. You've heard of the last few verses. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you what church? Call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land says the Lord Almighty. Now, come on. How many of you want to be blessed? <laughs> Hands popping up everywhere. How many of you want to dwell in a land that is blessed by God where I have my needs met by a sovereign, generous God? <laughs> right? We all want that. And this is why this guardrail comes up over and over and over again in the word of the Lord. A little story here. Um, we, we hired a staff person, great staff person. We moved him across the country and um, his wife is looking for a job. And I'm sure she's gonna find one. She's very competent. But as a result of them moving across the country and her not working, they were struggling with their car payment. Can anybody relate, right? They were struggling with their car payment. And um, he passed me in the hallway just this week and he said, hey, I gotta tell you something. He was so excited. He goes, you might not know this, but we've been having a hard time with our car payment. And he said, so we got here and he named his wife and he goes, she's trying to find a job, but she hadn't gotten one yet. And we're just having a hard time. He said, so I called the dealership. I think there was a New Hope connection. He got connected to a, a dealership and he went to visit the dealership and he met with somebody over there. And in a very short period of time, they took the car that they had, I think it was about four or five years old. And uh, it, it was a Kia, bless the Kias of the world. It, it was a key about four or five years old. The manager, the, the guy they were working with, actually took that car off their hands, put them in a brand new Kia with less payment and less interest for the long haul. And he was ecstatic. And I said, brother, that's God's math. Come on, that, that's, that's God's math. The devourer would have wanted to stress them out and tear them up. But because he goes to a church where the pastors and the staff of this church honor God with the tithe, God protected him, took an older car off his hand, gave him a newer car with less payment and less interest. That, that's Malachi 3, 12 and 14, where he will prevent the devourer from destroying your finances and getting a foothold in that area. So what I wanna do now as we wrap up is I want to walk you through something that is tried and true in the area of your finances. And again, church, this is a pastor who just wants what is best for you. And if you will put this into practice, I've been taught this and discipled this at an early age. This is how I live my life. By the way, this is how this church operates. 
And if you will lean in and practice what I am about to teach you, you will live in the land of being blessed. Here's the first area. Take your whole financial portfolio, whatever that might be, wherever you make your money, income streams, sale of stock, sale of land, income from your vocation, whatever. The Bible says that the faithful follower of Jesus, the, the guardrail that he or she is going to put up is that I'm going to do what? Give. Somebody said save. <laughs> Let me turn it this way. I'll get there in a moment. I think that's a person who's heard me teach this before. Give. Give what, church? The tithe. If you are going to be a faithful follower of Christ in the area of your finances, and remember, this is not a point of salvation. This is a matter of conscience and this is a matter of a person submitting to the word of the Lord and getting their whole financial life in order. The faithful follower of Jesus Christ is going to give the tithe, the apodicato into the house of the Lord. And some people think, well, you know what? I don't know about that whole tithing thing. I've been told before that's just in the Old Testament. I have a big theological word for that kind of thinking. Baloney. <laughs> Look at this. This is Jesus in Luke eleven forty two. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a apodicato. You give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect what, church? You neglect justice and the love of God. So Jesus is talking to the religious people. And by the way, this is a sermon in and of itself. You can, you can give God the tenth, the tithe, but not have your heart right. Okay? So Jesus says, woe to you, you Pharisees. You give a tenth, but you've neglected justice and the love of God. Now watch this. You should have practiced the latter, justice and love of God, without neglecting the former. In other words, don't you dare neglect justice and the love of God and the love of God's people. You do those and don't you dare neglect the former of honoring God with 10% of your income. So we give and we set up this guardrail. The second thing is that we, over here, over here, over here, somebody said over here, we do what? There we go, we save for the future. Now, if you are a young person here, and I don't believe in beating up on millennials. I get so sick and tired of people beating up on millennials, man. Millennials are awesome. Can we give some love to the millennials? I love millennials, man. And I'm serious. I'm sick and tired of everybody wanting to beat up on millennials. But if you're a young person, I do want, I do want to tell you something that maybe you haven't fully internalized yet. You're going to get old. I see some young people looking at me and like, oh, really? Yeah, you're, like one day before you, you're going to blink. Uh-huh. And one day you're going to be old. Let the old people in the house say amen. 
wow, I didn't expect you old people to get that excited about it. Like, really, that was really stronger than I thought. The, the first service around here, nobody wanted to admit that they were old. So it was like, amen. No, no, you, you people get it. So if you're a young person here, listen, you're surrounded by people who want to let you know, we love you in all of your youthfulness. And we're so glad you're in this church. And you have a lot to teach us and a lot to help us with. But let us teach and help you with something. You're going to get old. And one day, unless you take care of this deal right here, unless you save for your future, you're probably going to be in bad shape. Because by the way, old people listen in. If you're trusting the government, <laughs> if you're trusting Uncle Sam to take care of you, I got three words for you. Bless your heart. Save. And nobody, you hear pastors talk about this. Lord, pastors talk about this. And some of you have been turned off from church by pastors talking about this too much and talking about it in the wrong way. I'm, I care about your whole life. And so we need to look at these other two areas, but this concept of saving, people don't talk about anymore. What's wrong with my voice? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Save. There are biblical verses about this. Proverbs, full of wisdom. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools spend it. Oh, I'm sorry, spend it what? All. Fools spend it all without saving. The consumers that I talked about earlier, spend, 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 spend. They spend it all. They're a fool. Now look at this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> Look at your neighbor. Now, we're not going to be mean up in here. Look at your neighbor, the neighbor you really like. Look at him and say, you are not a sluggard. Now, look at your other neighbor and say, I don't know. You might be a sluggard. <laughs> you sluggard. Consider its ways, talking about the ant. Consider its ways and be what? Be what? Be what? This is God's word saying, I care about you. I'm a good, good father. I want you to live a wise life. I want you to be blessed and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer. Or ruler, yet it, what church? It stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Save. You say, how much? I think you can decide that. The, I don't have a verse for you. I just know that the Bible talks about saving. But let me tell you something I've practiced in my life and I highly recommend it. First of all, we do what? We give, we tithe, 10% minimum. God, I'm gonna honor you. That's the least I can give, God, after you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die for me. I'm gonna give that. I'm gonna give 10%. I recommend that you save 10%. You save 
I'm going to give 10 to the Lord. I'm going to save 10%. I'm going to lean on some wise people. I'm going to figure out how to save it, how to invest it based on my comfort level, based on my age, going to diversify, going to take it. But I'm going to, now you, you, I guess you could put it in a mason jar and bury it out back if you want, which is where I'm from. That's what they used to do. Mason jars in the backyard, baby. That was their saving. But you save, and again, I highly recommend 10% to the Lord. I'm gonna save 10%. And lastly, and we're gonna end this bad boy, I'm gonna live on how much, I, I, I don't know if there's some mathematicians in the house, but if I'm gonna give and honor God with the biblical what? Tithe, 10%, and I save 10%, what do I have to live on? 80%. 80%. Y'all laughing at my voice. <clears throat> 80%. And guess what? And this is where I can talk to all ages. This is not just young people, but young people, come on, come on. Many of you have not been taught how to budget. You've not been taught how to spend in a disciplined fashion. You've not been taught how to live within your means. And by the way, we as a church offer these classes every single year, Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey, Joe Sangle. I once was broke, now I'm not. We're gonna have him in a little bit. We offer these classes again because we care for you and we wanna resource you and we wanna help you. But the truth is many people in our country and many people in the church today are not disciplined spenders. And so they're spending way more money than they have. And here's a novel concept. Lean in and listen closely. If you don't have the money for it, don't buy it. And I just saw somebody elbow their spouse. Cut that out. And it was about this time that I knew we would need to insert some levity and kind of lighten the mood for a moment. But I must say, you guys have been awesome today, even on this topic. You are so dialed in and leaning into this topic, which again, is just, you're, you're an amazing church, New Hope. But I did see a video that I wanted to show you. It's a video I saw on, don't judge me, Saturday Night Live. Sometimes on Saturday nights, when I, I don't go out on Saturday nights typically, Sometimes on Saturday nights when I'm in my bed with my computer open, just looking over my message, one more time, I find my way to Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Don't judge me. And this video came on and I thought, oh my, this says it all. Remember Steve Martin? Come on, come on. Yeah. Check this out. So it's one of those like um, awkward laughs. Like it would be so much more funny if it wasn't so true. And again, my heart for you, New Hope, is the same as it is for me. Like I wanna get this area right in my life. And because God has spoken so much about it in his word, it's so important. Like, 
Like, this is what I teach my children. That should tell you how important it is. This is what I teach my kids. Do, do you think I teach my kids to tithe to the church because the church needs their money? Oh, come on, kids. I want you to tithe. We can go buy a few more light bulbs. No. I teach my kids to save because I want them to be responsible and disciplined so that when they get old and I'm long gone, right? They've thought this thing through. And you want to teach them how to live within their means because who wants to be strapped with financial bondage all the days of their lives? Like we just finished our Hope Rising campaign here at the church. It was a three-year campaign. Most of you know it. Most of you participated in it. We doubled this building. We did all kinds of refurbishments at the other campuses. We went into the mission field like never before. In the Kelly family, we had six pledges. Amy Lynn and I pledged, and then all five of our kids pledged. I circled up some of the kids, not all of them, some of the kids as we got towards the end of it to say, hey, let's keep giving. Let's finish strong. Because I want for my kids what I've experienced and what I want for you. There's nothing more beautiful and faithful than honoring God with his tithe. There's nothing more satisfying and gratifying than putting some money aside for a rainy day or when I get old. And there's nothing more freeing then learning to live off 80% of your income. Why? Write this down. This is so key. Money makes a great servant. Money is awesome. It's a great servant. But money is an awful master. Did you hear me? I titled this message, Mastering Your Money. You are either going to master your money or your money will master you. You will either learn to live with financial freedom and blessings and favor and the kindness of God and money becomes your servant. You control your money or you will become a part of the masses it's an epidemic in our country where the money actually becomes a master of you. And I don't want that for you. Like I don't want it for myself and I don't want it for my kids. May you, as we move into the future, may you firmly plant this guardrail. It will protect you and keep your life on the track. May God bless you as you honor him. May God pour out his spirit of kindness and favor, and I'll say it, even prosperity, that you might honor God all the days of your life. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Father, I wanna thank you for a church that um, even when it comes to the subjects, Lord, that, is, that have tripped up the church before, subjects that we as a church, pastors in the history of the church have not handled so well. God, I thank you that New Hope is made up of folks who are generous, 
beyond words. God, I pray that you would continue to create this spirit of generosity in our lives. Father, thank you that no good stewardship, no good faithful understanding of finances can be seen outside of how generous you have been to us, cannot be seen outside of a blood-stained cross where you poured out your son, Jesus, that we might live for you in all areas, God, including our finances. God, we love you today. I know that in this moment, Lord, there's some conviction. There's some challenge. God, I pray that wherever a person might be today, that they would sense hope. They would sense your love washing over them. Father, I pray that that they would make the changes that they need to make. Some people know, as many people came up to me, even after the first celebration today, and they said, I'm going to set this up right now. God, let us not delay. Let us not make excuses. Let us be bold in our faith and let us trust you. And God, I pray Malachi 3, 10 through 14 over my friends. God, in doing so, would you unleash the floodgates of heaven? Would you pour out so many blessings on every single person here, Lord, that we would not be able to contain it? We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said together, amen, amen, and amen. Would you sign off to our campuses and let them know that we love them.